0: Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone has had a wonderful day, a wonderful week so far. If you're watching on YouTube, my hair is kind of looking rough today. I just you understand those of you who are moms, who are parents, you don't always have time to do your hair. Texturizing spray, dry shampoo goes a long way in my house, but sometimes I just don't have time. I don't have time to do my hair in the morning and so it goes up in this tight of bun-type clip things. I'm really happy that clips... Are back in action, are uh, back on trend because it makes my life really easy. All right. That's not what we're talking about today. I just wanted to give a little disclaimer for my friends who are watching on YouTube. Today, we are actually going to talk about the news. We haven't really talked about the news all that much in a while. We did talk about the Virginia election yesterday, which is happening today. If you're listening to this and you haven't gone out to vote yet in Virginia, if you are a Republican or if you're an independent or maybe even a Democrat who's voting Republican, you need to go out and vote. Get your friends to go out and vote. This is not an election you want to sit out on. This is not the time for apathy, people. Go vote for Glenn Youngkin. Go listen to yesterday's episode if you want to hear more about that. I've also got an article out for World Magazine today talking about why parents of K-12 through students are overwhelmingly supporting Glenn Youngkin. And if you are a parent, then you absolutely need to vote Republican. And I explain Why? in my article today. So make sure that you go and read that at world.org. I think is a link. We'll link it in the description to this uh, to this episode so you don't have to memorize the link. All right. Today though, we are going to talk about Joe Biden. We have not focused on good old Joe President Biden uh, in a while and today we are finally going to do that because it seems that some journalists and maybe Biden voters in general are confused as to why so many people are upset with the president of the United States. Now, if you are a Trump voter, the fact that other people don't realize why so many of us are frustrated may be a surprise to you because it's so obvious to us because most of us operate in our bubbles, at least for the most part. And if you're only watching, if you're on the left, if you're only watching MSNBC and CNN, you may have no idea that objectively Joe Biden and his administration are doing a bad job. You see, conservatives don't really have the privilege of living in a bubble because all of the mainstream institutions and cultural and mostly political megaphones are liberal. So all the major corporations, all of big tech, most of the mainstream media are on the left. Academia, public education, they are dominated by leftist ideology. Even the global institutions, the UN, the WHO, they are on the left side of the ideological aisle. So Even if a conservative only watches Fox News, only listens to Relatable, is only around Republican voters, they still have a pretty good understanding of the left wing perspectives on particular issues. That is why I think that the right has more of a desire to debate issues than at least some people on the left do, because Not because we necessarily want to, but because we're forced to have an understanding of what the left thinks and how they see the world. I mean, we see it displayed in most of our entertainment, uh, whereas really the left is hardly ever forced to interact with conservative ideas unless they choose to. So all of that said... uh, the left seems a little bit shocked by the fact that much of the country really does not want, does not want to uh, support President Biden and doesn't support President Biden. Now, the absolute shock of the left uh, that they're expressing is a bit of a surprise to me. Like, I understand that they might be taken aback for a second, but they seem utterly disgusted and surprised. And Even knowing that people have a tendency to insulate, you know, to insulate ourselves from information and perspectives that challenge our biases. It's still shocking to me because uh, because the media has been at least a little bit honest. When we go back to the Afghanistan debacle, like you had some New York Times articles, some Washington Post articles, some journalists in the press pool who were actually pressing Joe Biden on his evacuation of Afghanistan and trying to hold him accountable for how terribly it went. And so it's a little bit hard for me to understand how the left can be this surprised by something like, let's go, Brandon. Journalists, blue check marks on Twitter, they opened my eyes to not just how surprised, but how offended and apparently disturbed many are that millions of Americans do not like Joe Biden. We're going to talk about the reasons why so many people don't like Joe Biden. And we're going to talk about some of the gaps and some of the things he said that has forced Americans, even some Americans who have voted, who voted for him to lose confidence in him. I mean, many people obviously who don't like him voted for Trump, but there are lots of people who don't like Joe Biden, who didn't vote for Trump, who maybe didn't vote for either candidate, or who maybe even voted for Biden, like I said. Um, there's an article in the LA Times that I actually think sums up what's going on with this whole let's go Brandon thing pretty well. And I'll explain again what that is if you have missed it thus far. It is written by someone that I don't usually agree with. And the title of the column is let's go, Brandon, is what passes for oratory now. Be worried. This is by Jonah Goldberg, who is known as kind of this anti-Trump conservative, though I would say like many in that camp, you often find him, not always, but you often find him at least recently siding with the left, it seems like to me, for, for the sake of just siding against the right. But he explains, I think, pretty well both sides of the let's go, Brandon debacle. Um, And if you don't know, I'll I'll explain it. So F Joe Biden, except the actual word, uh, is a chant in sports stadiums across the country. We've been hearing it at football games since the beginning of the fall. I mean, almost whole stadiums saying F Joe Biden. And then the chant also broke out a couple months ago at a NASCAR race and a reporter was interviewing the winner of a race of the race whose name is Brandon in front of the chanting crowd. And the reporter said, oh, they're saying, let's go, Brandon. Now, we don't know if this NBC reporter really thought they were saying, let's go, Brandon, or if she was just trying to cover up for profanity. We don't know. But let's go, Brandon has turned into this euphemism for F. Joe Biden. And it's really even gotten you know, it's gotten further removed than that, because people who are not thinking about the vulgar, profane phrase are just using it to mean, you know, what people used to say when Obama was president. Thanks, Obama. Thanks a lot. So, you know, they're saying Joe Biden is the worst. It's a funny, mostly innocuous way for people to say that they're mad about Biden's policies. Now, I have said that because I know it is a euphemism for F Joe Biden, it's not something that I say as an expression. Of course, I'll say let's go, Brandon, when I'm explaining it to you, but I try not to say it as an expression. Now, some people see it no different as saying dang or shoot or something like that, or they see it as totally innocuous. But because I know what it stands for as a Christian and because I know that we are only to say that which is good for building up or to let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only to say that which is good for building up, that it may give grace to those who hear. I try not to say Let's Go Brandon. I did say it once on Instagram when I was mad that Jinsaki made fun of the supply chain issues, knowing that, I mean, we have hospitals that can't get the supplies that they need because of those supply chain issues. She made light of it and said, oh, it's just delayed treadmills. That did elicit a Let's Go Brandon from me. However, I do think as a general rule, Christian shouldn't be saying that. I know there are some people who disagree with me on that. I can also acknowledge that it's a funny development. Like, it's funny how it happened. And I am not going to, even though I'm not going to say, I'm not going to clutch my pearls about it. And Goldberg, in this article for the LA Times, he acknowledges the funny development of the phrase. And he also points out how ridiculous it is that so many people are so angry about this. He points out the story that a lot of you have probably heard that a Southwest pilot was uh, accused by an AP reporter of saying, let's go Brandon over the intercom on a flight. People freaked out about that on Twitter, including this AP reporter. Uh, Twitter lit up with liberals just absolutely freaking out about this. Like it was the worst thing to happen to the Republic since January 6th. I mean, they're really, really upset about it. Not all liberals, but there are some reactions that Jonah Goldberg lists in his article. So he says this, quote, Let's Go Brandon has become, uh, so this is not Jonah Goldberg saying this. He is quoting someone else saying this. Let's Go Brandon has become the MAGA version of Sig Heil. One lawyer declared on Twitter, I mean, whoa, whoa, that escalated so quickly. Liberal radio host Dean Obadalla tweeted, Southwest Airlines is now the pro-January 6th terrorist attack airlines. According to a Yale professor, a pilot saying Let's Go Brandon is comparable to saying Long Live ISIS. Like, what? Let's just stop there for a record. Those are three examples that Jonah Goldberg provided us in his article. Let's just stop there. Like, are you seeing what's happening? A lighthearted right-wing meme is now Nazi terrorist terminology. You know who has the most power in a country uh, by looking at who cannot take a joke? How ironic that the people who can't stand their regime being criticized are calling the people that that launched the criticism Nazis. That's amazing. That's really Amazing. Also, you know how people on the left uh, have loved calling everyone that they disagree with racist for the past several years, and now people just, like, they don't care anymore. They just don't care if they're called a racist or a white supremacist because it's just so common, and they launch that criticism at people who said something that has no correlation whatsoever to race or white supremacy. It's just that that insult just doesn't stick anymore because so many things are called racist that have no racial animus attached to them. And now we are seeing the same thing with the word terrorist. So pro-lifers are terrorists. Uh, People against vaccine mandates and passports are terrorists. Evangelicals are terrorists, but people looting, rioting, burning down stores, businesses, and federal property for half of 2020 in the name of so-called racial justice, they're definitely not terrorists. So we're seeing the degradation of this word because of its overuse and because of its misuse right now by leftists. Um, If people who say, let's go, Brandon, are terrorists and Nazis, you're not making the people who use that phrase sound bad, you're actually making terrorism and Nazism seem not that bad. You're belittling the seriousness of those things by attaching it to something that is really, really petty And and that, just like indiscriminately calling people you disagree with racist has consequences because it robs us of our ability to accurately communicate the severity of real terrorism and real Nazism, which have existed and do exist. So bastardizing words and concepts for the sake of destroying your political opponents makes the world worse and makes it a world place because uh makes the world a worse place because we can't accurately uh, we can't accurately communicate ideas in a way that makes sense, in a way that demonstrates that something is really bad. All right, I'm gonna get to more of this in just one second. First, I've got to pause and tell you guys about our first sponsor for the day. That is Annie's Kit Club. So, if you are looking towards Thanksgiving break and Christmas break, and you're trying to think of fun, creative ways to keep your kids occupied, you don't just want to sit them in front of an iPad or a TV. You want them to work. With their hands and also... You know, allow you the time that you need to cook and clean and do the things that you need to do, then you need to check out Annie's Kit Clubs. They're a fantastic way to build lasting memories with your kids while encouraging their creativity. They send all the special supplies and instructions you need for your kids to make something. Kits arrive in your mailbox once a month. They're super convenient. They are designed so that your kids can make them on their own, but they're also a great opportunity for the family to spend quality time together. They've got the Young Woodworkers Kit Club. It sends kids... Real Hammer and Nails construction kits. They even include real tools starting with a kid-sized hammer. Annie's also has Creative Girls Club, which sends a variety of projects and introduces your girls to new crafts with every shipment. Each month, she receives two fun kits with different crafts like painting, beading, and more. Make new memories and encourage your kids to be creative. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Save 75% off your first shipment with that link. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Save 75% off annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. So Goldberg continues in his article saying when Trump was president, there was no shortage of mockery and expletives hurled his way. Robert De Niro got a standing ovation for saying... Trump at the Tony Awards or uh, at the at the Tony Awards, uh, Representative Rashida Tlaib used similar salty language without liberals taking to their fainting couches. If I remember correctly, she said that they um, that they are going to impeach the MF, I will say. Um, and, you know, people cheered when she was at the event and said that. And then also, this is me, not Jonah Goldberg, talking at the Emmys in 2016, Jill Soloway. She's the creator of the show Transparent. She compared Trump to Hitler. She was praised for it. Samantha B, the so-called comedian. She called Ivanka Trump the C word on her show. A woman by the name of Julie Briskman flicked off Trump's motorcade in 2019 as she was bicycling past it. She went viral on Twitter. She was praised for it. She did lose her job. The company said that this violates our obscenity on social media rules. She sued uh, for that. And then she got elected for the Loudoun County Board of Supervisors. Wow. There's a lot of brain worms in Loudoun County. Like, what's going on there? Um, I don't remember any conversation back then on the left about how we need to elevate the discourse because of these incidents. Uh, because the excuse was that we heard that Trump had brought the discourse so low, had brought us down into the mud. And they were just fighting fire with fire. But Jonah Goldberg also mentions that Eminem, you know, I think he said like F. Bush or something in the early 2000s. I mean, people were also comparing George Bush to a Nazi and saying terrible things to him because of their disagreement with his decisions in regards to the war on terror. And so it's just, not, it's just not true that it was Trump that brought us down into the mud. We have been in the mud. Social media probably exacerbated it. I'm not saying uh, that Trump necessarily elevated the discourse either, but it's false to say and it's irresponsible, it's immature to say that you're calling people... Uh, MF or the C word or whatever it is because of someone else's, because of the president's alleged behavior. Like you're responsible for your own words. So now these same people don't have the right to turn around and clutch their pearls about a euphemism, let's go, Brandon. Like if that's your argument, if your argument really is that this is just just such debased discourse and uh, before... These MAGA-loving people, we just had such elevated, eloquent conversations, and we never launched ad hominem attacks. Like, come on. If that is your argument, then you weren't just asleep while Trump was president, but you were also asleep during Joe Biden's campaign. Like, Joe Biden, according to this new standard that I guess the left has uh, for our discourse, Joe Biden has brought us down, too. In his campaign in December 2019, he called a retired farmer in Iowa fat and a D-word liar. Uh, This farmer asked him a question about his son's dealings. With Ukraine at a campaign event there. And the guy, I mean, Joe Biden fat shamed him. I think this was the same circumstance where he challenged him to a push-up contest. What? And then called him a D liar. At a campaign event in New Hampshire in February of 2020, a young woman asked Biden how he could manage to win a national election after finishing fourth in the Iowa caucus. That's a great question. He asked her if she'd ever been to a caucus and she said yes and he responded no you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Not exactly crass but what? What? Like that's such a rude response to a legitimate question. I bet this girl is probably a liberal too and he's calling her a liar for saying that she's been to a caucus? Why? In March 2020, a Detroit factory worker who accused Biden of trying to infringe upon our Second Amendment rights, again, a totally legitimate complaint for really any Democratic contender at this point, Biden looked at him, pointed at him and said, you're full of S-word. I'm not saying I'm not saying that these are the biggest deals in the world to me. Of course, I don't like it, but I'm not clutching my pearls. I just want to acknowledge that if Trump had said any of those things, we would have been hearing about them on cable news for weeks. like the we would be hearing the darkness that Trump carries with him and the disrespect he shows towards honest Americans trying to hold him accountable. Oh, it's so dangerous. It's unprecedented. And also. Also, let's acknowledge that these are far more vulgar and hateful. Biden's uh, Biden's statements that I just listed, far more vulgar and hateful than most people's intentions when they're saying, let's go Brandon, which again, like, it doesn't actually have any profanity in it. Sure, the heart behind it, you could say, is disrespectful, but it's Nazi-like. It's January 6th terroristic-like. It's ISIS-like. Come on. Come on. Now, I will acknowledge something else that Goldberg touches on in this article, that people on the right would be upset if this were the other way around. Um, We were upset by the things said about Trump publicly by influential people. I would be uncomfortable. To be honest, I would be uncomfortable if a pilot said something negative about Trump or Republicans on the intercom. That's fair. Like, it's fair for people to be uncomfortable. But also, the things being said about Trump were not just silly phrases. They were actual profanities, not just euphemisms, very often. Uh, also, even then, was anyone on the right calling the people who were saying F Trump ISIS or Nazis? Like, if, if someone, if a pilot got on the air and said something about, I don't know, what did people even say about Trump? Trump is bad. I don't like Trump. Whatever. That's how the left memes. If that was the meme that came across the intercom when I was on a flight, I wouldn't like it. I, I would not like. It. So that is true. Would I think that he was a terrorist? What? That he's gonna fly our airplane in- into a building because he doesn't like Donald Trump? No. Because I am not a psychopath. Like, we may not have liked, conservatives may not have liked the things that were said about Trump. That is true. But I don't remember any conservatives saying those who criticized Donald Trump or even call him names were like Islamic terrorists or were like people who rounded up Jewish people and placed them in gas chambers because that kind of reaction is psychopathic behavior. That is a deranged reaction to Let's Go Brandon, okay? These people are very, very broken. It's very sad. Another thing I would say is that conservatives constantly endure businesses making political statements about Black Lives Matter, not merely the sentiment, which no one disagrees with the fact that Black people matter, of course, but the political activism the organization represents, a lot of people disagree with, as well as LGBTQ stuff And the response from the left is, well, that's not political. That's not political. That's just about justice. That's just about human rights. Sure, to you, to you, but millions of people don't agree with the principles of the the Black Lives Matter organization, which is a self-avowed Marxist organization that said on their website that they seek to disrupt and disturb the nuclear family of mom, dad, kids. And look, a lot of people aren't buying this lunacy that men can be women and vice versa. So any statement of support of that idea is absolutely political and ideological. As a conservative, I would love corporations to be neutral. I would love for them to not weigh in on things like voting laws or political narratives about police or the election or transgender bathrooms or Pride Month. I would love that, but they do all the time. And the left applauds this, even though these same companies who make all of these virtue signaling statements do business with the Chinese Communist Party, which uses slave labor and enslaves a million Muslims in concentration camps, as well as they also do business with countries in the Middle East to throw gay people off of buildings. The left do not want companies, though, to be neutral. They want them to at least be outwardly progressive, But when a company or just when one person in a company shows politics in the other direction, all of a sudden it's the worst thing in the world that's ever happened. Our discourse has just been brought so low into the mud. And oh my goodness, all of these secret terrorists saying, let's go, Brandon, what are we to do? (sighs) The fact is, a lot of people don't like Joe Biden. They're not happy with him. After Afghanistan, people saw him as incompetent and lacking the empathy and the transparency they were promised would characterize his uh, his pregnancy, his presidency. I mean, men can get pregnant. Maybe Joe Biden can get pregnant. I don't know. But his presidency. Um, I'm going to get to uh, a poll that MSNBC put out that shows this in just one second. But I've got to tell you about our second sponsor for the day. That is good ranchers. So as I told you guys yesterday, 100,000 independent farms and ranches in the U.S. have shut down only since 2015. So in just six years, 100,000 farms and ranches. And that is because Foreign Meat is stealing their business and robbing you of the quality and the flavor you deserve. Most craft beef that you're buying in the store, it is imported from overseas. So if you want to guarantee that you are supporting the American farms that are still standing, you need to buy your meat from Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers exist to support local American farms that help you make great American meals for your family. Together, they want to restore the American ranch and your meals to their former glory. Get the beef and chicken that simply can't be imported or matched at GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. They're great people like Good Ranchers. They have traveled the country. They've met with these ranchers. They've met with these farmers. They know who they're supporting. They know where they're getting their meat from people at Good Ranchers, they're out to put America first. So if that's something that you care about, if you want to support American industry, especially at a time like this where we really need to be relying more locally on and on our own supply, then you need to buy your meat from Good Ranchers. That's where we get our meat. We really enjoy it. It shows up at our front door, individually wrapped, vacuum sealed. We put it in our freezer. It just makes our life easy. Plus, it's super affordable, especially if you use, my link. So if you go to goodranchers.com slash you get 10 free bistro filet medallions with your order. That's a $100 value, 10 free bistro medallions. Also, if you subscribe, so if you get that box of meat every month, you'll save $25 on each box of mouthwatering American meats for life. Your monthly subscription will show up on schedule right at your door. So that's 10 free bistro medallions, free express shipping, and $25 off your subscription for life at goodranchers.com slash Allie, goodranchers.com slash Allie. So this is according to MSNBC. Here's a headline. Uh, Biden's job rating sinks to 42% in NBC News poll a year from midterm. So here's what the article says. Just nine months into his presidency, 71% of Americans say the country is headed in the wrong direction, the poll shows. Now, I'm guessing that those Americans probably believe it's headed in the wrong direction for different reasons, but still. That's not a, that's not a great indication for the leader of this country. A majority of Americans now disapprove of President Joe Biden's job performance, while half give him low marks for competence in uniting the country, according to results from the latest national NBC News poll. What's more, the survey finds the seven in 10 adults, including almost half of Democrats, believe the nation is headed in the wrong direction, as well as nearly 60 percent who view Biden's stewardship of the economy negatively just nine months into his presidency. Using Gallup's historical data, Biden's approval rating in this poll, 42%, is lower than any other modern first-year presidents at a similar point in time, with the key exception of Donald Trump. So Donald Trump's approval ratings were even lower than this. But we were also told that Biden was going to be popular across the board. We already knew that Donald Trump was going to be a polarizing. Figure. I mean, he lost the popular vote, but this president, he won the popular vote. And we were told that he was going to be uniting, that he was going to bring both sides together, that he was, it's not going to be red or blue America, that he is going to be this moderate, empathetic guy. So the fact that Uh, only Donald Trump beats him in a low approval rating at this time in his presidency, I think it's, it's pretty telling. And it's really gone down, in particular, since April. So his approval rating in April, according to this NBC article, was 53%. In August, it was 49%. August is when Afghanistan happened. And then by October, it was 42%. And then there was another NBC News poll. And this reporting comes from The Daily Caller that says, an NBC News poll published Sunday found that voters considered Republicans to be far more competent than Democrats to address a range of major issues. The poll asked respondents to name the party they thought would do a better job of handling specific threats and problems facing the nation. The results showed that Republicans enjoyed double-digit edges on border security by 27 points, inflation by 24 points, crime by 22 points, national security by 21 points, the the economy by 18 points and being effective in getting things done by 13 points. I mean, that's a big deal. Now, the only issue that these respondents thought Democrats did a better job on is climate change. But the fact of the matter is that's not a high priority for most Americans today. Most Americans who are feeling the consequences of Biden's failed leadership and of the Democratic failed progressive policies in all of these major cities that are deteriorating because of these progressive policies. They're not really as concerned with climate change right now. They're concerned about keeping their family safe and being able to provide for their family. Those are always the things that people are going to care about. Progressives can pretend that people don't care about that, that they can just defund the police and everyone will be happy. But people don't like anarchy. Human beings don't function well without security and without safety speaking of security let's look at some of these let's look at some of these issues one of the biggest ones being the border so migrants were encountered 1.7 million times at the border in the last 12 months the highest number of illegal crossings since at least 1960 since at least 1960 this is directly because The Biden administration is incentivizing these people and is promising. They pay attention to politics abroad. They pay attention to who's in charge. They know Democrats are at least now the party of amnesty, the party that thinks that it is inhumane to deport people for the most part and is going to be more lax on border policy. I guarantee you they watched what happened with the poor border patrol agent that was trying to do his job on a horse and trying to guard the border against illegal Haitian migrants and he got thrown under the bus. He got demonized by this administration. I mean, he grabbed the guy by the shirt, and we were told that he was, you know, treating them like slaves or like cattle or something. I mean, they see this kind of thing. Democrats are lazy and lax, and I think wicked on um, on border policy here are a few things that the Biden administration has done to exacerbate this humanitarian crisis, not just for the people in the United States, not just for the American citizens living at the border. Um, Many of them, by the way, who are immigrants, but also the women and children, especially the children who are making this trek, thinking that they are going to be able to come to the United States and get all of the benefits and privileges of living in the United States. It's a very dangerous trek for them, not just because of the physical toll that it takes on a person's body, but uh, also because of the high risk of sexual assault, especially for young girls and trafficking, drug trafficking. I mean, it's not good for anyone. Open borders is not good for anyone. It's not good for the countries that these people are immigrating from. And it's not good for the people at the border. It's not good for American citizens. It's not good for Mexico. It is bad news all around. The, uh, the New York Post reports this. Biden is spending over $2 billion to halt border wall construction amid migrant crisis. So, uh, the article says President Joe Biden is spending at least $3 million a day on contractors to watch steel rust in the desert. And so, there is all of this material to continue constructing the border wall that obviously we know President Trump campaigned on, and it's just sitting there. He purposely halted. The construction of this barrier that we know would help mitigate this crisis, at least some. So Senate Republicans found this. They found um, that he is spending all of this money watching the steel just go to waste despite the ongoing crisis there. GOP members of the Senate Subcommittee on Government Operations and Border Management released a report in July 2021 It found that at least 20% of the $10 billion, this is our money, guys, taxpayer money received by the Pentagon for border wall construction has instead been spent on guarding construction sites and terminating active uh, contracts for the construction of the border wall. CNN reported Biden administration canceling more border wall contracts. The Department of Homeland Security announced that the Biden administration is canceling more border wall contracts in Laredo and the Rio Grande Valley. The DHS said Friday it will cancel all remaining border barrier contracts in that Laredo sector. I mean, you guys saw the conditions that these Haitians were living in at the border. And they're saying that they're not going to do anything to make the lives and the jobs of these border patrol agents easier. They're actually going to make it so much harder. I mean, those people are human too. They're trying to do their job. And lest we forget, countries, sovereign countries must have borders. And to have borders, you have to have border enforcement. It is compassionate to enforce your borders. It's compassionate for everyone. It makes prudent, logical sense. We've talked about the morality and the compassion of borders and border policy in the past. Open borders is wicked policy. It's wicked. It leads to anarchy. It leads to all kinds of evils that we've already talked about many times. And the Biden administration is exacerbating this. This is one of the many reasons why people are upset with the Biden administration. They returned to the catch and release policy. So they would catch these illegal migrants crossing the border. They would release them into the interior of the United States, although the Supreme Court did rule in August that they had to reinstate the remain in Mexico policy. But the administration has announced they'll craft a memo to rescind this effective, uh, the effective policy. The remain in Mexico policy is an effective policy. They don't want to do it. Overnight flights transporting illegal, um, uh, illegal migrants and their kids uh, are Happening from the border into the interior of the United States, and Fox News reporter Peter Ducey asked Press Secretary Jin Saki about this in a press conference, and he said, "You know, why are you why are you making these flights in the middle of in the middle of the night in the dark of the night uh, in you know Westchester County, New York, to Jacksonville, Florida?" And Saki said, "Oh, this is not happening in the middle of the night. These are early flights, earlier than you might like to take a flight. 2:30 a.m., 4 a.m. So it's just a very odd response. You obviously didn't want to answer it, and um." She's saying, you know, this is our responsibility and we're not just talking about these little kids, which would be problematic too. Like it would be problematic if we were just flying these unaccompanied minors into the interior of the United States, what's happening to them. But I mean, we're also talking about like 17 year old men, 15 to 17 year old men are being shipped unaccompanied to these random cities in the United States. Who's even tracking any of this? The New York Post exclusively reported um, that as many as 2,000 children and teens have been carried on at least 21 charter flights that landed in Westchester, New York since August 8th. Um, And then there's the Washington Examiner who reported in May 2021 that late night flights transporting migrant children to Tennessee raised questions with lawmakers. That's happening in Chattanooga. And again, this is also happening Happening in New York, as the New York Post is reporting, and then there's this other story that people are very understandably upset about. That uh, this is was originally reported by the Wall Street Journal that this administration is considering making payments of four hundred fifty thousand dollars to each person separated from their family at the southern border. Quote, the payments are part of settlement talks for several lawsuits that claim the U.S. government's policies under Trump left children with lasting psychological effects. According to the journal, the U.S. Departments of Justice, Homeland Security, the Health and Human Services are and Health and Human Services are in talks to offer each person who had been separated, $450,000. According to the journal, most families who have crossed the border are made up of one parent and one child, meaning each family would get $900,000 if the settlement were to go through. By the way, a lot of these cases where these minors were separated from the adult that accompanied them, the adult was not their actual parent. They were either being trafficked or this was a smuggler um, that was getting paid to bring this child across the border. Not in all cases, were these these innocent parents separated from their children now in those cases I disagree uh, with the separation I want true parents and kids to stay together absolutely but nine hundred thousand dollars to people who aren't even citizens of this country when we are already overspending when American citizens are struggling why is the government settling? why are they choosing to settle here? That doesn't make any sense. You know, every other country enforces its borders and the countries who haven't, like in Europe over the past few years, they are dealing with very serious and deadly repercussions due to that. I mean, this is insanity. People actually thought that the Biden administration and Democrats in charge were going to allow reparations for Black Americans to go through. And No, no, that's not. Obviously, that's not the priority. The priority is paying a form of reparations to people who aren't even citizens of this country. Um, Another thing that people are upset about, understandably, is that it seems like America is less safe. Now, this isn't as much a federal issue as it is a local issue, but the cities who have decided to defund the police have seen an uptick in violent crime and specifically murder. And Joe Biden said um, When he was campaigning back in July of 2020 in a now this exclusive interview, that he absolutely believes that we should cut police funds. Now, he has flip-flopped on this several times. Uh, He was asked, according to the New York Post in August of 2020, that um, he he was asked if money should be redirected away from cops. And he said, yes, absolutely. And uh, the charter for his alliance with Bernie Sanders vows to reinvigorate community policing um and he really aligned with the people who wanted to defund the police as far as their community policing goals go, uh, but he has kind of gone back and forth on his support of police officers. But he didn't get the support of police officers in the campaign because he was so wishy-washy on this and because he seemed to at least ostensibly support this idea of redirecting funding away from the police. And if you look at the repercussions of that, it's not good. The cities that have cut police Budgets have not only seen violent crime and murder rise over the past year, but they're also showing a lot of hypocrisy. So Forbes.com has an interesting article that talks about the 25 major cities uh, that have cut police funding in the past year. Uh, They have also upped the budget for their own personal protection, these mayors and city officials. So in Chicago, Illinois, for example, the city spent seventeen point three million dollars between twenty fifteen and twenty twenty to guard unnamed city officials. That's as Mayor Lloyd Lightfoot says she opposed she's opposed defunding police while we found 400 police officer uh, positions were quietly cut during 2020. So she said that she opposed defunding the police, but she cut 400 police officers. I mean, Chicago is riddled with violent crime, the victims of which are disproportionately black men, the very people that these politicians say that they care about. Then if you look at San Francisco, California, the city spent $12.4 million between Uh, to 2015 and 2020 to protect the mayor, London Breed. That's a San Francisco official's promise to divest $120 million from police over two years. Then you've got a place like Baltimore. The city spent $3.6 million in 2020 for 14 police to cover the mayor, Brendan Scott. Um, Yet Baltimore has eliminated about $22 million from its police budget. San Diego, California, same story. Denver, Colorado, same story. And then you've got Oakland, California, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Portland, Oregon, Atlanta, Georgia. They are reallocating funds or they have reallocated funds away from the police in the name of caring about racial justice. Meanwhile, they are securing and even increasing the budgets for their own personal protection, the mayor and the city council members and city Officials. So people see the hypocrisy of this kind of thing. They see the deadly repercussions of defunding the police. And they remember that Joe Biden was on that side when he campaigned. And then the thing that people are really feeling also the supply chain issues. And Biden's agenda is worsening the supply chain. So you can still maybe get the essentials that you need. Some places are worse than others. But, you know, where I go, I go to the Target in an in affluent area of where I live, and there were several shelves that were empty with just normal stuff. And I'm not trying to complain. My family is surviving and all of that, but that matters, especially for low-income people. And the prices are rising on these goods and services that working class and poor Americans just can't afford. And Biden's agenda is worsening this. This is according to National Review. The administration is pushing a $1 trillion infrastructure bill and a reconciliation bill for which the final cost, though yet to be determined, would likely be upwards of $2 trillion. The aim of these bills is to put more money into the economy. That money will fuel more demand, both directly in the form of, say, increased purchases of parts for electric charging stations and indirectly as child care subsidies push consumers to spend more in other areas. But that will all place extra stress on the supply chain, which is really more like a network. Uh, Heightened demand for one good can lead factories to produce it around the clock, which can in turn increase those factories' energy demand. This not only pushes up energy prices, but creates shortages or inflation in other goods now produced in lower quantity. That in turn will help cause even more inflation. The administration's preferred policies will significantly affect the supply side as well. Take trucking. The administration wants a federal version of California's AB5 bill That We've talked about that before. We'll link it in the episode description. Would be a disaster for everyone who is a small business owner or a freelancer. They want to federalize California's AB5 and turn more freelancers into employees with employment benefits, which will mean higher unemployment because companies won't take on the people they have been using as contractors and freelancers and give them those employment benefits. They just won't use those services anymore. Uh, This is terrible, especially for working moms who enjoy the flexibility of a freelance job. The article goes on to say, however, the trucking industry is mostly made up of freelance owner operators. So again, if they federalize AB5 the way that this admin wants to, then that's going to affect the trucking industry, which will even further strain the supply chain. The supply chain problem is complex and tied to the pandemic more than anything else. To date, most of the administration's policy moves are sure to make it worse. As I said, we are seeing the increase um, of cost of many goods. So uh, a lot of places are seeing this inflation. Rental cars up 43% over last September. Gas is up 42% uh, versus last year. Used cars up 24% bacon up 19%, hotels up 18%, beef up 18%, pork, eggs, TVs, all up 13%, kids' shoes up 12%, furniture up 11%, new cars up 9%, chicken up 8%, apples up 8%, restaurant prices up 5%, electricity up 5%, rent up 2.9%. Now, maybe that doesn't really impact you maybe you're able to you're able to afford all of the changes in those prices but a lot of people can't we were told that this democratic administration was going to care for the poor the poor aren't doing well right now a lot of small business owners not even small business owners a lot of retailers are really struggling to hire people because of the benefits that have been put in place by Democrats who are in power. A lot of people simply aren't going back to work. That's not all on the shoulders of Democrats in this administration, but certainly some of it is. And then um, Smart Her News, which is a it's a news outlet and a news source that I really like to follow on Instagram. Uh, they did a post that said that this might be the most expensive Thanksgiving meal in the history of the holiday. And they point out that food prices are up 4% compared to last year. 10% of food items price uh, prices uh, directly relates to farming. The rest is other variables like transportation, which we just touched on. Uh, the prices are rising because of increased demand, pandemic related disruptions, fuel costs, um, labor shortages and the supply chain issues that we just talked about that are being exacerbated by this administration and the policies that they are pushing for. The price of turkeys may reach record highs this year as producers anticipated higher demand with the return of larger gatherings. But it's not all demand, of course, as uh, we already discussed So that's a big issue. People are feeling this in their pocketbooks. People don't like to feel that in their pocketbooks. The economy was good under Donald Trump. There was an induced economic coma because of not the pandemic, but because of Democratic States pandemic policies, the lockdown policies, the shutting down of businesses, which were not scientific and not helpful and ruined people's lives and livelihoods. Yes, the economy crashed during that time, but that wasn't because of Donald Trump. Donald Trump wanted things to be open as safely and as securely as they could. It was the Democratic politicians and the rhino politicians that shut things down and hurt the economy. There's also the problem of shutting down the Keystone Pipeline. That's something that Joe Biden did, putting America last. Biden canceled a key permit for the 1,200-mile pipeline on his first day in office, citing climate change. But according to CBN News, that move co- costs thousands of U.S. construction jobs and will impact the nation's oil and gas production. The pipeline was projected to deliver 35 million gallons of Canadian crude to refineries in the U.S. every day upon its completion. But now, of course, it's not going to do this. Now, the Biden administration is saying, you know, they're concerned about gas prices Now that we're not relying on North American oil, so it is calling on OPEC, Russia, and other oil exporters, um, Russia and other oil exporters, which is collectively known as OPEC, to increase production. Um, And so rather than relying on ourselves for our oil, now they are relying to the Middle East. They're bending a knee, according to Forbes.com, to the oil-rich Middle East And none of Biden's predecessors did so while pursuing an aggressive anti-oil agenda. And so it's costing us. It's costing us. Some people are saying, oh, there's greater demand for gas. There's more people driving. That's why the numbers are up. Not entirely. It's because Biden decided that we are no longer going to be energy independent, but we are going to be relying on some of the most evil regimes in the world for our oil. That's a huge problem. And then we've got All of his COVID policy, we saw what I thought was a draconian move in cutting COVID treatments to red states. The Biden administration had been shipping the antibody treatments each week on an as needed basis to places like Texas and Florida. And then after he made his big announcement about vaccine mandates for corporations at the beginning of September, he said that he was um, or the administration after that speech said that they were going to actually cut supply of monoclonal antibodies to places like Florida and Texas. Of course, they cited equity, but it didn't make any sense to change from going from an as-needed basis to whatever arbitrary number they decided. It seemed a lot like politics because the governors of Texas and Florida decided that they weren't going to go along with Biden's vaccine mandate. So it seemed a little punitive. And that's really scary. That is very draconian. Of course, people are very upset about the vaccine mandates, Um in general, and his insistence upon forcing these, uh, forcing these companies to enforce vaccines. And so the Wall Street Journal says President Biden's vaccine mandate for private sector businesses with 100 or more workers and details on how the requirement will work will likely be released later this week, according to people familiar with the matter. This was published Yesterday, the Labor Department's Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, has been developing the vaccine mandate under a federal rulemaking called an emergency temporary standard. Employers who fall under the regulation must develop, implement, and enforce a mandatory COVID-19 vaccination policy unless they adopt a policy requiring employees to choose either to get vaccinated or to undergo regular COVID-19 testing and wear a face covering at work, the OSHA rules also require employers to provide paid time off so workers can receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Employers that don't comply can face fines up to of up to roughly thirteen thousand six hundred a violation. The administration has said. And there are states who are suing Biden over this. There are religious liberty issues. If you've got a sincere religious objection to, for example, the use of uh, fetal cells and the research and the development of some of these vaccines then you are being discriminated against essentially because of your religion if you are not granted a religious exemption. I mean, this is taking away the lives and livelihoods of a lot of people. And while there are people and companies who are for this, there are a lot of people who aren't. Even people who are vaccinated, even people who are very pro-vaccine, even Democrats are against this. So this is all making him very wildly unpopular. And there are many other things that we could get to as well. But these are things that are really affecting people's everyday life they are not seeing this president of empathy this pre- uh, this president of um of unity that he said that he was going to be of course he has been radical on things like abortion he has been radical on things like gender ideology they have a new gender strategy the biden harris administration um it's this in- uh, international gender strategy that says that they are trying to work for the full inclusion of women and girls when really they are trying to rewrite what the definition of women and girls and they also claim in this national gender strategy to be trying to advance the so-called right of abortion and so they are very rabid and wanting to uh, ensure that more babies can be aborted. That's of course why Biden, the Biden administration, is suing the state of Texas because of their anti-abortion law. He has been very out front in wanting more abortions and more access to abortion. I do just wonder what the evangelicals for Biden are thinking right now, like all the people. That claimed that he was going to be the man of compassion. He was going to bring decency back to the Oval Office, that he was going to care about the least of these, that somehow we were going to get social, racial justice. Look, the most vulnerable in this country are suffering right now because of democratic policies. And I hate to say I told you so, but we did. We did. We told you this was how it was going to be. And look, you can be mad at Donald Trump's tweets. You can be mad at some of the things that he said. Maybe if you're on the left, you're even mad about some of his policies. The fact of the matter is, objectively, the most so-called marginalized people in this country were doing better economically and freedom wise under Trump than they are under Joe Biden. And it's directly because of Joe Biden's policies. We told you this was going to happen, that he was coming in as this Trojan horse of saying that he was going, you know, he was saying he was going to be a moderate. He's not a moderate. He's got radicals behind him. He hasn't been able to be as radical as he's wanted to be, thankfully, because of the filibuster and because of some moderate sane Democrats that are in the Senate. um, And because of the Supreme Court that at least has a modicum of sanity still on it, they haven't been able to pack the Supreme Court like they've wanted to. They haven't been able to eliminate the filibuster as they've wanted to. And so we've been able to stave off some tyranny. But the man or at least the people behind him are a radical. Now, Joe Biden himself doesn't really know what's going on. Okay, he doesn't he doesn't really know what's going on. And I don't say that to be rude. Like, I do not want to make light of dementia. There are some of you who have lost parents and grandparents and great-grandparents from dementia. It's serious, okay? So when I say that he seems to be suffering mentally and that he has some characteristics that are like dementia, I am not saying that because I want to make fun of him because I want to, you know, make light of the severity of that disease. But the fact of the matter is, he's supposed to be commander in chief. Like he is supposed to be the leader of the free world. And he, he's supposed to be taken seriously, not just by Americans, but also by our global leaders. And you can say all you want to um, about Trump and about some of Trump's rhetoric. He was not like he was not like Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not there. He was just seen sleeping. At the international summit in Rome that he is in, there was also this crazy rumor that he might have had. This is not funny. Again, it would be funny if it weren't so sad. And I don't, this is something I'm just telling you about something that was circulating online that some of you have asked me about. And you asked me if Joe Biden really did poop his pants when he was meeting with the Pope. That is apparently the word around Rome, that the meeting took a long time because he had a bathroom accident. I really hope that's not true. Sincerely, I hope that's not true. As much as I don't like Joe Biden's policies, I don't want him to be a laughingstock. Like, I don't want him to be falling asleep on the job, literally. I don't want him to be losing it. I don't. I don't. I want him to be with it. I want him to command respect. I want him to demonstrate strength on the world stage. I do because I love this country. I pray for him and I pray that he has wisdom and that he has courage. Unfortunately, I don't think that we're seeing that. And I'm gonna play you a little montage that shows just a snippet of what I'm talking about. First, I've got to tell you about our last sponsor for the day. Super excited about it. I am so, so happy to welcome back to my show Operation Christmas Child. They are a sponsor of Relatable, and I just love what they do. They're a project of the Christian International Relief Organization, Samaritan's Purse. It is the world's largest Christmas project of its kind. The mission of Operation Christmas Child is to demonstrate God's love in a tangible way to children in need around the world and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's delivered into the hands of children through local churches. Every shoebox gift is an opportunity to share about Jesus Christ's. Uh, Jesus Christ's sacrifice and God's love for us through Christ. My church is doing it. It always sneaks up on you. It starts earlier than you think. You got to get your boxes and fill it with all of the non-perishable items. Choose if you want to send it to a little boy or a little girl, the age group that you're sending this to, and your church will take care of the rest. Since 1993, Operation Christmas Child has collected and delivered more than 188 Million gift filled shoe boxes to children in more than 170 countries and territories. This year, they hope to collect enough shoe boxes, uh, shoe box gifts to reach another 10 million children. Uh, will you join Operation Christmas Child this season by packing shoebox gifts or building shoebox gifts online? Anyone can pack a shoebox. Individuals, families, churches, students, and groups. And packing a shoebox is a great way to teach your children about thankfulness and giving back to those in need. During National Collection Week happening this year from November 15th to the 22nd, shoeboxes will be collected across the country at nearly 5,000 drop-off locations. Go to samaritanspurse.org OCC to learn how to pack a shoebox build one online. That's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Okay, let me play you this little montage of our president, the leader of the free world. This is just a little bit of what I'm talking about. Maybe why people on both sides of the aisle have lost lost confidence in the Biden administration. Here's our president.
1: And I want to thank uh, that fellow down under. Thank you very much, pal. Looks like a tornado. They don't call them that anymore. As one computer said, if you're on the train and they say Portal Bridge, you know you better make other plans. Last night I was on the television. Uh, on television, I was on the telephone. With 40% of all products coming into the United States of America on the West Coast, go through uh, Los Angeles and uh, and uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? So the best way to get something done. If you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. Get
0: vaccinated. I mean, that's not even some of the worst ones, guys. Like, that's us being super nice. That first one you might have not been able to tell. He was in some kind of press conference with Boris Johnson. Uh, of the UK and also the prime minister of Australia, and he forgot his name, our pal down under. That seems like something that you should probably know. Seems maybe important. Um, so he's just, he's losing it. Like if you watch any of these CNN town halls, like he just can't keep it together. He can't remember What he's supposed to be saying and what he's talking about, like, remember when he was trying to say, I think the Declaration of Independence, he said, all men are created, you know, the thing. I mean, this has been happening for a little bit. This is not the Joe Biden of yesteryear super disappointing. So for any of you who might be confused as to why Joe Biden's ratings are so low, why so many people are against him right now, here are just a few of the reasons, a few of the reasons why people are not excited about a Joe Biden presidency. I hope this clarifies things. I think Let's Go Brandon um, is a very nice way for some people to say that they disagree with his policies, which are disproportionately affecting the working class and poor Americans. I thought we were supposed to care about that. All right. I'll see you guys back here tomorrow.